0: in the beginning that I I didn't have the full thing planned out, didn't know exactly how long uh, this was going to go, but again this is teaching that is necessary in the church. Uh, The church has a knack for um, pushing aside things that become questionable or uh, controversial or confrontive or things that people don't quite understand and since we don't understand it we don't want to search it out and we just want to be excited about what we do understand um, and uh, we're just not going to be that church. I've just resolved that um, I've had the, the blessing to be in churches in my life that uh, preach the whole counsel of the word, just as Paul said, and, um, and I'm thankful for pastors and leaders that were in my life that uh, didn't shy away from topics that were controversial or, or stay away from things that they, might, that they think might get me angry uh, or upset Uh, but they went ahead and preached the Word, and it's changed my life. There are things that I've heard over the years um, that have just absolutely set a course in my life, and this is one of those subjects. Um, A lot of churches... First of all, you have to understand that denominations are man-made. That's man-made, set up. Jesus didn't come here to establish Pentecostal and Baptist and Methodist and, and Lutheran and all that stuff. That was different people getting a take on a certain part of the Bible uh, that they like. I mean, you've got Pentecostals, and they're all about the book of Acts. And then you've got Baptists, and they're all about the book of Romans. And then uh, you've got the Methodists and the Lutherans, and that are about the epistles and the do's and the don'ts, and the, you know, do it by the book and those type of things. And And Jesus came to abolish all that. He came to do away with all that, and he came to take this thing further than a list of, Religious rituals, and this is what you do on this day, and this is how you pray, and this is what you say, and this is, you know, what you do to be a Christian. And and he said it's about your heart. And um, so that's what that's what this subject is dealing with. Um, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited about where it's taken us so far. Uh, how many of you from this study are already starting to have a better understanding of the Holy Spirit and His operation in our lives? Uh, he's gone past just the presence and a feeling. And a power; those are uh, byproducts. But you see, a lot of times, um, especially in Christianity, we tend to look at the byproduct instead of looking at the source. Um, and so, this is this is a problem that we have to overcome. Uh, one of those is heaven, you know, and and we've made heaven the end all. We're here uh, to accept Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, so we can get out of hell and go to heaven, right? And that's a byproduct of a life that God has given us on this earth. A purpose in our everyday lives here. And so that's what the Holy Spirit has to deal with. And the Holy Spirit is one of those topics, you know, we said from the beginning that God is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. But the Holy Spirit is here with us. The Holy Spirit lives in and dwells in us. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. So you can basically say that the Holy Spirit is God living inside of you. How do I know what God wants me to do? The Holy Spirit. How do I know uh, to make right choices in my life? The Holy Spirit. How do I know uh, if God wants me to go here or go there? The Holy Spirit. God. The Holy Spirit is God living inside of you. And with God comes his thought process, how he would think, how he would respond, how he would approach a situation. And so because we have the Holy Spirit living within us, we now have the full capability to do and to live according to how God would want us to live. Uh, We are no longer just wanderers and just kind of wandering around on this earth and we don't know what God's will is. And that's that's been a strong topic in church for a while is how do you know God's will? How do you really know what God wants you to do? But the Bible makes it very clear that we can know God's will. And I, there's a thing you have to understand about God's will is there is a specific, and there is a general. There is a specific will that God has for your life. There is a specific will. Does He want me to go back to school? Does he want me to attend this church? Does he want me to move my family here? Does he want me to take this job? Does he want me to raise my kids uh, in this school? Those are the specific wills of God for your life. But the general covers all of the church. All believers. And that is to bring heaven to earth. That is the general will. And so your specific will ought to line up with that. So what God's will is for you in your job should line up with his general will to bring the kingdom to your job. Where he has you attend church should be to bring heaven to church. And so we have to understand That the Holy Spirit is placed within our lives, given to us, given to mankind, to walk out that will and that purpose for our life. Whether it be your specific will for your specific life, or whether it be uh, the general overall purpose of the church. Amen? So we've been uh, going through this, and we've taken some time, and I told you that we're going to take our time. Um, In fact, today's message, I had it, um, I really cut it in, in half. Uh, because I got down to a certain point and then I was going into another part and I, I stopped and I said, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to force myself to cram all kinds of information. I want to be able to take my time. I want to be able to, you know, we want to be able to chew on this. Um, I understand that this isn't surface stuff. This, some of this can be deep and it brings weight. And what I mean by weight is um, it, it brings responsibility with it. So I want us to fully understand. I don't want to just fly by something and you guys miss something. Um, you know, the, the CDs and listening to it online, that's not just for people that miss. Uh, if you have the opportunity, I would strongly suggest to take the time to listen to these services again. And, um, because this is valuable stuff and we don't all hear it the first time. I promise you right now, we don't all get it the first time. And so I want to make sure that we're being able to chew on this. So I broke today's message down. Um, As most of uh, my passages and verses that we've been selecting for this series, um, they've really been one or two passages, but a lot of scripture in there. I don't have you bouncing all over the Bible. So we're pretty much going to stay in Matthew chapter 7. If you want to go ahead and turn there. Father, I thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this evening. I thank You that Your Holy Spirit is speaking to us through me. Father, I thank You that I don't speak anything on my own accord, but only what You would have me say. And I thank You that we will receive this uh, Word, this seed, into good ground, and that we will bear fruit, bear fruit of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to start with verse 15. Um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. We talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. We took about four weeks to talk about the the person, who he is. Again, um, this isn't a power or presence or a feeling. This is a real person. And when you want to receive from someone everything they have, you need to get to know them. You need to cultivate a relationship. And so... um, we took a we took quite a while there to understand the person of the Holy Spirit and, and get to be able to cultivate that relationship and then we stepped into a life of the Spirit and showed how what takes place on the inward part of a man comes out. And we saw that Jesus said, The kingdom of God is within you. And so uh we looked at the great dilemma and we talked about, you know, that that life where uh we, we enter those stages where um, you, you know you're supposed to do this, but you do the opposite. Or you know you're not supposed to do this, but you still do it anyways. And we talked about that dilemma. And we talked about how Paul said uh, it's by the power of Jesus Christ and what he had to bring that allows us to be free of that whole struggle and that whole dilemma. And I tell people, I say, don't, don't, don't ever say, I'm struggling with this, or I'm struggling with this. I'm, I'm struggling with this habit, or I'm struggling with this thought process, or I'm struggling at doing this in life. Don't say that, because it's not a struggle. Because your spirit, man, see, I don't, I don't speak to your flesh. Uh, right now, I'm not speaking to this outward flesh that you brought with you tonight. And that's the best way to put it. You brought Shannon with you tonight. Your spirit, man, brought Dennis with you tonight your your flesh on the outside is just the vehicle that allows your spirit to operate in the earth if your flesh quits existing and stops existing in this earth your spirit stops existing in this earth jesus gave right and authority to the flesh of man that's who he gave dominion to so that's why our flesh suit is so important but i'm talking to your spirit Your spirit has already overcome every battle, every struggle, everything you'll ever come against. Am I saying that you'll never sin or never mess up again? No, because we have this flesh on the outside that we are daily conforming, daily bringing in. But I don't focus on the struggle. I don't focus on the negative. I don't focus on this battle in life. I focus on what your spirit man has. Why? Because everything else in this world is focusing on your flesh. Everything else is trying to tear down your flesh. Everything else is trying to remind you that you're a sinner. Everything else is trying to remind you that you are against God. So why, why should we have to come to church and listen to that junk? So I, I speak to your spirit, man, that has the victory. Um, and understand this, that Jesus, what he did on the cross, he finished on the cross. He didn't start something, he finished something. When he was on the cross... He said these three words. It is finished. Satan is conquered. He went down to hell. He took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And he whipped, stripped, and badly embarrassed the devil for us. So we don't fight the devil. I'm going to go ahead and tell you something tonight. This is going into what we're talking about. Your greatest enemy is you. Your greatest enemy is not Satan. Your greatest enemy is not the devil. And I'm going to tell you this right now. The Holy Spirit has been given to man so you can beat your flesh. Not the devil. The Holy Spirit was not given to man so we could overcome the devil. And this is why. Jesus already beat him. Why are you trying to fight, defeat, and overcome an enemy who's already defeated and overcome? And the Bible states very clearly that you are more than conquerors. See, you're not even just conquerors. You are more than conquerors. We already know the outcome. Here's the only way the devil wins, if you let him. The devil only wins in your life if you let him. And our lives are choice-driven. Our lives are based on... The the way we walk out life and the the things we do in life, it's based on our decisions. When it comes down to it, you can't blame your parents for how you were raised. You can't blame uh, the kids in school that picked on you. Uh, You can't blame your boss because he never gave you a a decent raise. Uh, You can't blame uh, your husband or your wife or your children. Well, they just won't listen to me. When it comes down to it, you are going to stand before God and you're going to give account of your life. And that's the greatest thing. It really is, because God gave that decision-making power to man. And that decision that decision-making power, the the power of choice is the power to change. Anything in your life, whatever you see in your life, you hold the power to change it. You help you hold the power to make it different. There's no one that can hold you down. There's no one that can uh, you know, undermine you or 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 stifle you. There's no one that can do that. You've been given that power to choose what you're going to do with your life, how you're going to operate your life. And so, uh, and we saw this just a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us make those right choices. How many of, how many of you want to make right choices on a, on a daily basis? Okay? We all do. And the Holy Spirit has been placed within our life. It's called red flags. You think you're going to do this? And he says, no, no, I don't think we should do that. I think I'm going to stick around a while. No, I think you should leave. I think it's going to get pretty crazy here. I think we need to go ahead and go. See, the Holy Spirit's doing that just quietly. That small, still voice. He ain't screaming at you. He doesn't, you know, uh, get out a horn and, and, you know, a, a speakerphone and let everybody know. Dennis, you need to leave right now. You should not be here. No, he just speaks it right there on the inside. You know, that, a lot of times, I'm going to tell you right now, listening to the Holy Spirit will make you look stupid sometimes. And what I mean by that is, you will do things on the outside and nobody else knows why you're doing it. Well, where, where are you going? I just, I don't think I'm supposed to be here right now. What do you mean? The party's just getting started. No, you know, I, I think there's something that's going to happen and uh, I just feel that I don't need to be here and stick around for what, you know, for what, what well, what do you mean? I mean, we just we just got all this in here. We just got all this party stuff. All that, all the alcohol. I mean, it just showed up. Yeah, uh, uh, I just I don't think I'm supposed to be around that kind of company. And on the outside, they didn't hear the booming voice. They didn't hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you saying, "Hey, let's let's leave. We don't need to be around this. This isn't this isn't good influence." That's how it works. It's as simple as that. So, today this evening, I want to Shift gears a little bit. We've looked at uh, the person of the Holy Spirit, the life of the Spirit, and now I want to get into the fruit of the Spirit. Um, I told you from the beginning that I'm I'm not going to jump right into the gifts of the Spirit because that's a lot of times what people are looking for. They want the gifts, and they want the power, and they want the, the presence and the awe and the emotional stuff. But we forget about who He is And the Bible has actually a lot more to say about the fruit of the Spirit versus the gifts of the Spirit. And we're going to see here in Matthew chapter 7 that Jesus has some strong words for people that go after gifts without the fruit, without showing the fruit. Let's start with verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, They are ravenous wolves. So this right here, he's talking about those, when he says false prophets, those that say they are of one thing, but they're not, and they appear differently. I'll tell you right now, as a pastor, it is my uh, obligation and responsibility in this church to look for this right here. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Do they come to church? Yes. That's why they're wearing sheep's clothing. Because they want to hang out with sheep. Okay, We already know that uh, Jesus calls the church or the body of Christ. He also calls it a flock. And he is the great shepherd. But he has delegated the responsibility over flocks within the fold to pastors. And so it is my obligation to be watchful for that. Um, I have been in churches and and just recently uh, in churches... Um, that they come in, and the number one motive is, uh, or, or the number one um, indication is selfishness. They have a selfish motive about them. They draw people to them. Paul said, uh, uh, Paul said to Timothy, I, I can only, you're the only one that I can send to these churches because you are like-minded, like me. You're not seeking your own interest. Your own interest. So these wolves, they come in. I mean, think about it. A wolf. Let's just get literal. Let's just break it down. A wolf in the middle of a flock of sheep. What's he thinking about? Is he caring for the sheep? No. He's hungry. He's hungry. He's thinking selfish motives. He's thinking I could eat some of these things up right here. So they come in with their motives. They either want to draw people away to themselves. They want. They want to draw people away. To themselves, they want to um, uh, draw attention in the church, Um, and then they eventually, you know, they even try to split churches. Come in and they say, "Hey, hey, we're we're doing this awesome thing right down the road. You want to come help us?" And and they'll they'll look like they're caring for other people, but they're really doing it out of selfish motives. Okay, but this is going to become profitable to us. This is going to be. Uh, understood with us because of what he has to go on to say here in verse 16 you will know them by their fruits do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles even so every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a bad tree bear good fruit pretty simple isn't it okay Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So right here, he is identifying that their fruit is going to give them away. Their fruit. You can look at their fruit. You can look at, uh, and let me go ahead and let you know what he's talking about by fruit here. By fruit, he's talking about lifestyle, character, and conduct. That's your fruit. Fruit is not signs and wonders. Fruit is not miracles. Fruit is not casting out demons. Fruit is not uh, the gifts of the Spirit in operation. There's a very real reason why Paul shows a difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. Now let me show you a few things here about fruit versus gifts. Fruit versus gifts. Gifts are obtained. Gifts are obtained. Fruits are maintained. See, you, you didn't just you didn't just obtain love. Well, you know, I just I just have love. You know, I, I'm just good at loving people. What can I say? No, you choose to love people, and you have to maintain that and continue to build that up. But a gift, let's uh, gifts are talents. Okay, Now, I'm going to tell you this right now, that there are churches, and I, and I know of some, and I'm not, I, I, I'm not trying to pick on churches, but it is my job to reveal the right and the wrong. And there are churches that put gifts in front of fruit. I know of churches right now that actually pay, and I could do this today, right now, uh, I know that our worship is not up to par. I understand that. We we listen to a CD, listen to a couple songs on uh, Sundays. In fact, I don't even and do it on Wednesdays. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, uh, for me, uh, having been in worship teams since I was 11 years old playing drums, uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating um, to not have musicians. Uh, I come from an area in Texas where there were so many that you actually had to tell people, uh, I, I, I went to a church that had five different worship teams. Five different. I'm not talking all intermixed. I'm talking there were five different worship teams that each had their own bass player, guitar player, keyboard player, drummer, singers. Okay? There is, there is talent out there. Uh, it was a discussion that me and my best friend, uh, Marcus Kreiner, who's the, the uh, worship pastor in St. Augustine, we moved to St. Augustine, and it was me and him for the longest time. He plays guitar. He plays everything. He can do it all. Um, and then obviously I played drums, and I never, you know, expanded beyond that, and I'm getting ready to do something about that because uh, I need to learn some more instruments than just the drums because I can't lead from the drums. That would be awkward. Uh, but that was a discussion that we had. We are like, man, you know, from Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, and from Dallas, Texas, and it's just a flourish Bands everywhere. I mean, you go on a on a Saturday night and go, you go to five different shows with three different bands. At each. It's just unbelievable. And then we move to St. Augustine and it's me and him. And it's like, where's everybody at? You know, we need some musicians up in here. Um, but there are churches. This is where I was going. There are churches that actually pay people just to come in and do praise and worship. And then they leave. Maybe they might stay for the service. But they're so desperate to get worship, I'm going to tell you, uh, that is a non-negotiable for me. Because what you do in that instance is you actually put you are putting the gift in front of the fruit. You don't know that person's character. You don't know that person's conduct. You don't know how they live their life. You don't even know if they love God and if they truly love people. And this platform obviously we don't have a platform but this position up here is not to toy around with and mess with you're investing in people's lives and i don't care if you're a drummer i don't care if you're a backup singer i don't care if you're the tambourine player if you get off this stage and sometime during the week i find you at some restaurant drinking and boozing it up and living a, a life associated with worldly living And that's my mistake for putting the gift in front of the fruit and not letting you prove out the fruit. The only thing that proves out fruit is time. Nobody plants a seed and gets the fruit the next day. Nobody. There are farmers all over this region, and they will tell you that it takes time. In fact, they're getting ready to start their planting here in a couple months, and they won't get that harvest until last quarter so the only thing that tells fruit is time now there are levels uh, you know within the church that uh we can put people at as they're growing and maturing god's all about maturity and god's all about serving and we don't have to separate the two as you're maturing you can serve But there are people, there are churches that get the gift in front of the fruit, and that's the most dangerous thing you can do. The gift will get you there, but the fruit will keep you there. The gift, the talent will get you, and I'm going to tell you right now, I personally know a ton of gifted people that don't have one lick of fruit, and it's, I, I, I get up on stage and I look out in the audience. I'm not talking here. I'm talking where I was before. And you look out and you see them and it's just wasted talent. Can play an instrument like nobody's business. Can teach a class like nobody's business. Great with working with kids. They can, they can get 25 kids surrounding them in two seconds. But don't have the character and the conduct to keep them in that position. And and we are more, this church is more about anointing than talent. I'm going to tell you right now. I will sit talented people in a chair if they don't have character and conduct to maintain the position of being in the gift. Period. And I've already told you before that I know people and have people uh, in my life that I thought were some of the most gifted spiritual people on the face of the planet. And come to find out that they're not. And we're going to see here as we go further in Matthew chapter 7. That you'll probably be surprised at some of the people who aren't spiritual. We'll see that. Okay. Um, gifts are not indicators of spirituality. I mean what does it mean to be a spiritual person? What, what does that even mean? And see we, we've turned that into, you know, a pastor he, he must be a spiritual person. The position doesn't make you spiritual. The gift doesn't make you spiritual. The talent doesn't make you spiritual. It's the relationship. It's do you talk with God on a daily basis? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and are you being led by that spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is leading. The Bible says that he's a guide. So if he's guiding you somewhere, that means that you are to follow him. But are you following him? Are you obeying him? That makes you spiritual. A spiritual person is not someone that talks about the Bible all the time. i am tell you, there are some historians that study the Bible just like they study any history book. And they could tell you all about it from beginning to end. And you know what you've just done? You have just limited the most spiritual book on the face of the planet to just another natural resource. And they can reason and they can they, they can reason it out and study it out and explain it to you. Great. Great orators, great communicators, great studiers. But Paul said that the word of God is spiritually discerned, not naturally discerned. Which means there's something they're not getting. There's a level of spirituality that they are not understanding. And so we have to identify this. That's why we're talking about fruits versus gifts, because we 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 have to quit uh, looking at signs and wonders and and the way someone speaks um, and and automatically labeling someone as spiritual because then that's what we end up att- trying to attain to. Well, I just I just want to know the word so much and I just want to speak it you know with with clarity. Those are byproducts of being a spiritual person, but that's not what we're going after. Okay, so. Jesus says here that we are known by our fruit. Now, notice what he says. I know it's very simple. And I, I've told you that uh, if you get someone communicating the Bible correctly, they will actually simplify it before they get real deep. In, I mean, some, again, some people that are just real deep in the word and they're over your head and using hermeneutics and theologicals and all this other crazy stuff that, you know, some of the stuff I don't even know what it means. But they have, they have no spirituality behind the Word. There's no power behind it because it's not even real to them. It's not real to them. But you'll find that the Bible is actually made simple. Jesus said that you need to have faith like a child. And here we are trying to get our faith mature and, and trying to you know, believe God like an adult. And he's saying, I need you to think like a child. I need you to reason this thing out like a child. Make it simple. Be, make it simplistic. So look what he says here. He said uh in verse seventeen every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree, what kind of fruit do they bear? Bad. So put in, in you put in good, good comes out. You put in bad, bad comes out. Now understand this. This is a law that God put into practice from the beginning of time. If you go back to when he created, in Genesis chapter one, he created everything to reproduce after its own kind. Okay, so fish are creating fish, trees, an apple tree is creating an apple tree. What I love about that is everything is everything reproduces after its own kind. So when God wanted to multiply Himself. He made more of himself. That's why he made man in his image. Because we were reproduced from God. That's exciting. But this is something that's in play. It's in, it's in nature. It's in life from the beginning of time. So it's very simple. If you want to get good out, what do you have to put in? Okay? If you want to get bad out, what do you put in? So, here's the thing. And again, this is proven over time. This isn't an overnight deal. But if I'm seeing bad fruit from somebody, then I am only allowed to assume that they are only putting in bad. If I'm around someone and all they do is cuss up a storm every time I'm around them, that's all they got. It's just bad, bad mouth everywhere. Then I would be safe to assume that they either watch a lot of stuff that has a lot of cussing in it, they listen to a lot of stuff that has a lot of cussing in it, or they hang around a lot of people that cuss. Very simple. Okay? They are planting the seed of that kind of mouth, and they are receiving that, the fruit. Okay? Now, this goes for anything. If I want to get joy in my life, what do I need to put in? Joy. If I want to get uh, depression in my life, what am I putting in? Okay? If I want to get positive lifestyle, if I want to see the world in a positive light, what do I need to put in? Positive thoughts, positive things, the Word of God. Okay? So, don't... Don't tell me, if all I'm seeing is bad fruit and nasty fruit and, and, and negative stuff, don't tell me that you're putting in, oh yeah, I, I read the Word every day. No, you don't. It's that simple. What you plant comes out. It has to be that way. And you've heard me say it before, that a, 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 an apple tree does not have a sign on it that says, I am an apple tree. What tells you that it's an apple tree? The fruit on the tree. Very simple. Now, it says that people... Jesus said here that you will be known by your fruit. He doesn't say you will be known by how much you talk about me. He doesn't say you will be known by how many signs and wonders are following after your ministry. He does not say that you will be known because you have a halo around your head. I mean, we're bypassing all the things... We think if I just tell enough people about Jesus, they'll understand that I'm a Christian. He's saying that you don't even have to open your mouth and people ought to know there's something different about you. So there is good fruit that needs to be produced. But the problem is, is that we're only planting bad stuff. And it reproduces after its own kind. If you want to get out of debt or you want to have... You want to do better in money. Prayer is not the answer. Because my Bible says that it will the seed will reproduce after its own kind. I'm amazed at how many people have money problems, but they don't ever plant the seed. Plant the seed. Do what the Bible says. If you want to get money, then the Bible says to give. And you're going, to, you're going to find that Jesus is going to jack up a lot of our regular thinking. You mean I will get something if I give something? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, this is, this is the nature of a seed. The seed goes in, it doesn't get lost. The seed goes in, and it doesn't change. The seed doesn't change on the inside and and go in an apple seed and become a cotton seed when it comes out. It goes in an apple seed and it becomes an apple seed. Very simple. Now here's the other thing that uh, we sometimes try to change and it doesn't work. You cannot take an apple seed and place it in a different environment and get something different from the seed. See, I, I know I, I've heard people they have uh, they have a problem getting along with people at the church, um, at in, in their job. That church too, but people go to work and and they just have problem getting along. You know, this I can't believe these people at this. I just need to get a different job. I, I you know, I just need a new job. So they get a new job. Guess what? Same problem. Can't get along with nobody. You know, I, I don't know what it is with, with 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 this girl that I'm dating. You know, I just I don't know what her problem is. I need to date someone else. Guess what? And so what do we end up in? We end up in a cycle of trying to change the environment when the problem is the seed. The seed. Maybe sometimes we just need to stop and take a look and say, is it me? Is there something wrong with my seed? Is there something wrong with what I'm putting in? Because what's coming out I'm not happy about. What's coming out, I'm not excited about. What's coming out, I'm not really thrilled about. So I need to change the seed. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. But if I'm going to talk about fruit, I need to talk about where the fruit starts. And it starts with the seed. If you want to see the fruit of the Spirit in your life, then we have to start planting those seeds. That's what we have to start planting. Uh, Let's keep on going in Matthew chapter 7. Fruit is the indicator of what's going on on the inside. And fruit tells people what you're putting in. And fruit tells people what you really are. So look what Jesus has to say here in uh, verse 21. Let's keep on going. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, where? In heaven. And how do we know the will of the Father in heaven? You guys have been listening. That's awesome. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been placed in our lives so we can get the unseen realm of heaven into the seen realm of the earth. So I can get God's will. Remember what Jesus said? Pray this way. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he says right here, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who is led by my spirit. He who does the will of the Father. And how do you do the will of the Father? By the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit within you. Verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, many, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, now watch this, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name? But look what he says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's some bold stuff. You're telling me that people that are casting out demons in the name of Jesus will not enter the kingdom of heaven? You're telling me that people that are doing signs, and wonders in seeing these gifts in operation in their lives are not going to enter the kingdom of You're telling me that he says people that have prophesied. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? That is an actual gift of the Spirit. There are nine gifts of the Spirit, and one of them is prophecy. You're telling me that they're operating in a gift, and Jesus says... I don't even know you. See, this verse woke me up. This verse is what got, that verse right there is what got me started on this whole thing. Because I, I'll tell you, I was jacked up when I read that verse. I was messed up. I said, you got to be kidding me. How in the world am I supposed to know if someone's spiritual? Here's the thing. God wants to move. And God wants to use people to move. In fact, God has to use people to move. God is not doing anything in this earth without using mankind. We've stated this from the beginning. He handed over that authority. He delegated that out and he can't take it back. He's waiting for each one of us to yield to his Holy Spirit to operate in the earth. I said a few weeks ago, the kingdom of God does not come into the earth until the kingdom of God comes inside of you inside of us. Now he's looking for vessels. So how can somebody who doesn't really who, who Jesus doesn't know operate in these gifts and operate in these things? Because God wants to have wants to see people healed. I mean you look throughout history and some of the, the greatest pastors especially in the early 1900s. There are some ministers and evangelists and pastors during that time. They had messed up lives. One of them died uh, of alcohol poisoning. A traveling evangelist. Going around doing signs and wonders. Had tents all, up, all across the, the United States of America. And he died of alcohol poisoning. What is God doing? He wants to use people. And you know how many people got healed and got saved in those services? That's just the grace of God and the mercy of God. But when it comes down to it, that man has to answer. Why didn't you operate in the fruit of the Spirit? Why didn't you operate, why didn't you have the right character and the right conduct? Why didn't you have a lifestyle that was holy unto the Lord? See God wanted that person that got healed in his service to get healed. And he'll use that man to get that person healed. But there's going to there's a day where that man's going to have to reckon for his lifestyle and he's going to be he's going to be like this. But Lord, didn't I and I'm not saying he's not going to heaven. That's not my debate. That's not my area. I don't have the the uh the ability to determine that. But that's what we're talking about, is he's not just looking for people that are just seeking after power and seeking after gifts. And, but, you, you know, I, I had an emotional experience with, I mean, I just felt the presence of the Lord this morning in church. Yeah, but why are you in a bar tonight? Because the, the fruit and the character and the conduct, the lifestyle is not lining up with what the word says. And he'll reveal himself that way. God will show himself in very powerful ways. God, the Holy Spirit will show up and work in someone's life. But it's up to us to develop this character and this conduct. Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five, and let's verse uh, turn to verse sixteen. See gifts if they're used improperly they'll bring glory to man. Your talent, I know a lot of I know a lot of talented guys that are in secular music scenes that are playing music for for bands in a in a in a secular scene. And they I believe that they should be in church using their gift to glorify God. But instead, who's getting the glory in the concert? And who's getting the glory on TV? And who's getting the glory when the the people listen to the CD? They are. But see, fruit always brings glory to God. Tell you right now, when you walk in love with someone that does not deserve for you to be walking in love with them, you ain't getting much glory. Everyone's standing around saying, why'd you just do that? Hit them. Cuss them out. Tell them who he is. Talk about his mama, right? He talked about your mama, you talk about his mama. And you say, no. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to walk in love. You ain't getting no glory out of that. The fruit brings the glory to God. Look at this here in uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's what we've been talking about. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Here's that battle, here's that struggle, here's that war that's taking place within us. They are at war, they are against each other. If you are still trying to get your flesh to line up and and be excited about God and the things of God, it's a done deal. It's over. That's a that's a battle you will never win. That's why Paul Paul did not say, I I struggle daily to get my flesh to love God. He said, I kill it. He said it's not it's not ever going to be clued in on what God wants me to do, so I'm just gonna shut it down. Get rid of it. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, here we go. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, wrath selfish ambitions, dissensions. Heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. And then they throw this in there. And the like. (laughs) All this junk and then anything like it. So you're pretty much covered. This is how the flesh works itself out. This is how the flesh shows itself. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, those who practice... Such Remember when we talked about practicing, we talked about a habitual lifestyle with no desire for correction, no willingness to change my lifestyle, that is practicing sinfulness. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, that lines up with what we just saw, where Jesus just said, here are the people that are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. These are the ones that are not even going to see it or enter the kingdom of God. But verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh. Now I'm going to tell you, back in this time, that word crucified... That wasn't just thrown around. That was a serious word. Jesus was crucified. It was... uh, They actually say that at this time, that was the most punishable death. That was the worst thing you could endure. There are... uh, At this time, there were people, if they were sentenced to death on the cross, they would try to kill themselves before going through this. So, Paul is painting a picture that if you belong to Christ, you have crucified your flesh with its passions and desires. When you take out the flesh, you take out its lusts, you take out its desires, you take out its want-tos, you take out its will, you take out what the flesh wants to do. He's painting a very vivid picture. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, and envying one another. So he's showing here, this is how the flesh plays itself out. And this is how the Spirit plays itself out. The fruit of the Spirit. What he's saying is, if if the Spirit is in operation within you, and you Live according to it, and you give yourself to it. These are the things that will be evident. Love will be evident. Joy will be evident. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes we think that joy is optional. Well, you know, I have my right today. You know, I'm just not, I'm just not feeling very good. I don't, I, you know, I'm just not very joyful. Then we're not operating according to the Spirit. It says the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm just having a, a bad day. I was watching a show just a few weeks ago where they were a guy, I think he was getting a divorce and, and losing his house and stuff, and so he was just having a bad day, and 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 you know, everyone was like, you know, why are you so grumpy? He's like, I'm entitled to have a bad day. I'm entitled to be depressed. Everyone's entitled to have a bad day. Not according to this. Your flesh is having a bad day. Your spirit's always having a good day. Peace. Peace. That's another one. Now, notice here, he's not he's not reasoning this thing out. He's not saying, you know, have peace in peaceful situations. No. He's saying, have peace all the time. Have peace. What's the opposite of peace? Anxiety and worry. I'm going to tell you right now, this world you live in is. You'll find that this world actually fights against everything that was just listed. This world is not a loving place. <laughs> this world is not a very joyful place. I'm not excited about a whole lot. This world is not a very peaceful place. There are, there are things always coming against us that are trying to fight our love walk. They're trying to take away our joy. They're trying to come against us having peace. And he's saying, this is how you ought to walk. And if you're living according to the Spirit, this is what will be evident in your life. Patience. There's one. There's one. We're short with people short-tempered. I mean, he just listed off in, in one of the results of the flesh, outbursts of wrath. Outbursts outburst of wrath. Just exploding out of anger. And he's identifying right here, long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. It means if you're operating, living according to the Spirit, you'll be patient. Be patient with people. Be patient with your spouse. Be patient with your kids. Be patient. Come on. We're we're getting somewhere now. Kindness. Kindness. See this, this is the nine fruits of the spirit we learn as a kid, we memorize them and love, you know, we have a, probably there's a, probably a song that goes with it. And kindness. Being kind to people. Just being kind to people. Not being rude. That's a fruit of the spirit. Okay? Uh, Kirk, if you could go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to close with that. Um, goodness. Chapter 13, verse 1. Goodness. That just means being good and doing good things. Very simple. Faithfulness. There we go. Faithfulness. Faithfulness to your job. Faithfulness to your family. We, 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 have some, we have some believers, we have some Christians that show up to work late. That do terrible jobs at work. Well, this is just my work. I don't care if you show up to church on time. If you show up to work late. Again, we're talking about bringing heaven to earth. I'm not telling you that this world is going to be a peaceful place. I'm not telling you this world is going to be a loving place. I'm not telling you that all your situations from now on are going to be opportunities for you to have to be patient. It's just going to be easy. But that's what it takes to influence a culture with a different culture. Gentleness. Not being brash and abrasive and and harsh with people. And self-control. Is probably the biggest one. Self-control. Just having self-control. Not doing what you're not supposed to do. And doing what you're supposed to do. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That is what should be evident in our lives. If the Spirit is in operation. And he says to live according to the Spirit. And he says to operate and walk according to the Spirit. And then he also says to crucify the flesh. It's twofold. You're not going to walk according to the Spirit if you're still feeding yourself the world. If you're still feeding your flesh, and you're still giving in to your lust, to your desires and the things you want to do, this isn't going to be evident. You have to put in good seed to get Good fruit. Very simple. Now, look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll close here. I had actually saved this for next week, but I need to go ahead and transition it. This is what is known as the love chapter. Um, and we're going to get into this church, this Corinthian church. You probably heard me say it a few times what this letter was all about. This church was messed up, man. Messed up. Paul had to address so much garbage in here. It's not even funny. And we're going to look at it next week. I'm going to show you what Paul was addressing. And then I'm going to show you how this church, what was happening in their church. Exciting, awesome things taking place. But outside church, terrible people. So look what he says here. This is the love chapter and he talks about love. But look what he says here in verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass, or a clanging cymbal. Verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy. Now we're getting into gifts. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith. Come on, we're getting excited now. Gifts of prophecy and, and faith. But look what he says, so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, man, I'm doing good stuff. I mean, we're feeding the homeless, we're doing an outreach this weekend, we're winning people to the Lord. I mean, God is excited about my life. He's happy with me. But look what he says. And I give my body to be burned, but have not love. It profits me nothing. What's he saying? The gift in operation in your life without the fruit being revealed in your life nothing. Nothing. And all this time we've been making man, he's got so much faith. Have you seen his house? He believed God for that house. You've you, you seen the cars you drive, you've you seen his business. You, you seen how much he, he he gives to the church. You see how 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 many outreaches he comes to. I mean, he he's always bringing visitors to church. I mean, he's just you know just telling people about Jesus all the time. Man, you you hear that tongue that he gave last Sunday? I mean, that was powerful. That really ministered to me. Man, they are so talented. I mean, they they have the most beautiful voice, and, and they just take our worship team to a whole new level. We get excited about these things. And Paul says. You're just making a bunch of noise. You are useless to the body of Christ. He said it profits nothing without love. And we know that love is a fruit of the Spirit. So that's what we're identifying. And we're going to take some time to do this. The next week, we're going to look at this Corinthian church. We're going to find out just how messed up they were. Yet they thought they were so spiritual. They thought they had it all going on. They thought they were the church that Jesus was coming for. They thought we're, we're the ones ushering in this new move. And Paul had to write a letter to them and completely redirect them and say, you are nothing but a bunch of babies. We're going to look at that. Because no longer are we going to focus on the gifts and, and trying to look spiritual. Look, I, I'm not raising a church to look spiritual. We're raising a church to be spiritual. Because we already saw last week, this world is waiting for spirit-led people. It's exactly what we talked about. This world is groaning and in birth pains. It's in anxious expectation for people that will be led by the Spirit of God. That's what this entire world is waiting for. The government is waiting for spirit-led people to take over. The sports industry is waiting for spirit-led people to take over, to come in and influence and change it. But we got Christians that are just all about being talented and flowing in gifts of the Spirit and laying hands on people and and seeing the sick recover and, and just going out and winning souls, but living terrible lives. And that's not what we're raising up. That's not what this church is raising up. That's why we're feeding this Word. And like I said, I know that with what we're preaching comes a lot of weight. I understand that. But it's good. It's good because that responsibility is what's going to to allow you to fulfill and completely walk out God's purpose for our lives. Amen? Father, we thank you for this word tonight.